0: So this morning, I want to tell you a story. It's a personal story. It's really holy, sacred ground for us to walk on. And there are some humorous parts along the way, so you feel free to laugh.
1: to cool and unusual punishment presents chosen this is episode four my name is tyler and joining me tonight my co-host jody how are you i'm good i am completely in the dark at this point as to where we are headed on our journey
0: oh why is that
1: because i just let you do the work
0: (laughs) well you're supposed to be in the dark about it okay (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I'm doing my job. Don't get me wrong.
0: <laughs> That's right. For this episode, we have an unusual pairing of stuff. Part of this podcast is going to talk about the Constitution of Valleybrook Church as it was in 2014. And then I have a copy of the 2016 Constitution. I just wanted to note some differences. As always, I want to remind everybody that what we are talking about is Valleybrook Church during a specific period of time. This is not a commentary on Valleybrook Church as it functions today.
1: Right. Did we look at the Constitution last episode? Uh,
0: or was that mission statements mission and statement. such? Yes. Yeah. Although some of that is kind of similar. And we don't have to spend a whole lot of time on this. I will share these documents so folks can read it word for word. But there was some interesting differences. And then after that, I'm actually going to follow up with an interview I did with somebody that will provide, I think, some comedic relief. Okay. (laughs) Okay, so let's get started. Constitution of Valleybrook Church... Eau Claire, Wisconsin, September 2014. The first thing I want to point out is the length of this, right? It's four pages long. Yeah. And it's fairly simple. I'm going to just read a couple of the different sections and then see what those sections now say in 2016. Right. Okay. Let's go with purpose. Purpose. Valley Brook Church exists to be the body of Christ through our unique calling to help sick people get well, to be a conduit of blessing to the nations, and to be a house of prayer for all people in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Bible, we base our faith on the Bible as the inspired, inerrant, revealed word of God to his people. All 66 books of the Old and New Testament were written by the Holy Spirit. Through the unique backgrounds, styles, and vocabularies of their human authors, the Bible is the final authority on all matters of faith and practice, and there are no other writings similarly inspired by God. And then that's supported by Bible verses. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know why that's funny to me. (laughs) Um, Okay, so let's go to membership. Membership at Valleybrook Church is recognized as a strategic partnership between individual members and the Valleybrook community. It is a commitment before God to share life together. Membership is open to anyone who has put their faith in Jesus and chosen to obey his commands, has publicly followed that decision with baptism in water, has read and agrees with the statement of faith. That's what you were referring to has attended the membership meeting and signed an affirmation of membership. Members have the right to vote on congregational business as outlined in this constitution, and they have the final say in the following matters. Calling the lead pastor, confirmation of the overseers, ratifying the budget, purchasing, selling land and property, contracting debt, amending the constitution. Members willingly submit to the care and oversight of the overseers as well as the spiritual guidance and leadership of the pastoral staff. Overseers. The purpose of the Board of Overseers is to provide spiritual oversight for the Valleybrook Church community. Overseers must exhibit the character outlined in 1 Timothy 3 and Titus 1. Overseers are called to oversee the lead pastor, lead through example, pray for the sick, and govern church policies. Each year, the overseers will determine the number of positions, if any, to be filled that year. There must be a minimum of five overseers. The existing overseers will appoint a nominating committee of no less than three members comprised of the executive staff and or members of the Valleybrook community. The committee will present candidates to the overseers. The overseers will then make the final selection and present the prospective candidates to the membership for affirmation at the annual meeting. Each overseer will serve a lifetime commitment subject to the reaffirmation of the membership. That's... That's serious? Yeah. Yeah. Lead pastor. The lead pastor is responsible to discern God's vision for the church, then to provide leadership and instruction to live out that vision. The lead pastor's job description is created by the overseers based on the needs of the community and the lead pastor's unique God-created identity, the lead pastor is a voting member of the overseers. To select a lead pastor, the overseers may either present a current staff pastor for the lead pastor position to be voted on by the membership or may establish a search committee made up of overseers, staff and leaders within the membership to accept resumes and conduct interviews. The search committee will then present the best viable candidate to the overseers and staff, who will then in turn present the candidate to the membership to be voted on, The lead pastor serves indefinitely. The relationship may be terminated with a 60-day written notice by the lead pastor in a letter of resignation by unanimous vote of the overseers to ask for the lead pastor to step down or by a congregational vote of 51% of the total membership at a special business meeting. My assessment without opinion is that there is a lot of power for some people. Yeah, no,
1: it sounds... I didn't know churches had constitutions, but it sounds like what I would expect to be in one. Why not have overseers have lifetime appointments, I, I guess? I I wouldn't have guessed, but I. I why not? This is in 2014?
0: Mm-hmm. So, February 2016, which is not quite a year following that crisis team report and the breakdown of things at the church. So there is a vote to ratify the Constitution. And the result of that is a 16-page document where there is a lot more detail to this thing versus what we read before. I mean, we talk about the Trinity, and then it breaks that out. Sin and salvation, the church and its people, ordinances. Valleybrook Church observes two biblical ordinances, baptism and communion. Ordinances are an outward expression of faith that are conducted out of obedience to scripture. And then it breaks down and addresses baptism and communion separately expressions of ministry one particular spot that has some highlighting all are welcome to commune with the body at valley brook without agreeing personally with these expressions of ministry healthy constructive discussion is welcome members are encouraged to discuss concerns with the expressions of ministry statements with pastoral staff and or elders but are to refrain from sowing discord with alternate positions in the general congregation. So they're like, you can have a problem, but please don't just stand up in church and say it. Yeah, Which, you know, definitely that wasn't in there before. I, I wonder how many of these things happened.
1: So am I right in assuming that this new constitution, this is in large part the result of what happened? I would say so. And this new one would have been drafted, what, by overseers?
0: Well... This is the email that accompanied this version. February 3rd, 2016. The special business meeting this past Sunday was a significant milestone. By nearly unanimous vote, the proposed Constitution was ratified. It is an important step in the rebuilding process. Okay. Church leaders from outside of Valleybrook who evaluated the document were impressed with the work of our Constitution team. There is a team of people listed here that must have had the task of helping to create some of this stuff to be voted on. So here's a little interesting aside. When I was talking about the women in ministry part, all are one in Christ Jesus as Galatians 3.28 states, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male nor female for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And then it goes on to list all these biblical examples of women in leadership And if you recall, Doug had also written this paper. Yes. Well, I had chatted with somebody, um, and actually it's what I'm going to be talking about next is their experience, right? And when I talked to this person, he pointed out that actually that position was troubling for a lot of people because there are many places that we've run into already in this constitution and statements of faith and whatever, in which you can see that the Bible is to be treated like quite literally. And of course they're listing here, these verses, right. That support this position, but there's just as many verses that support the complete opposite about women. Right. So there was some contention about like, if we're going to follow the Bible as it's written, then how does that work? You know? So when that paper came out, that was actually divisive for some people. And so it's interesting that this is in here, you know? So there is church leadership. Christ is the head of the church. He is the true source of all the church is and does, and his glory is to be the objective of every action and motive of the church individually and corporately. So then it goes on to elders. There's like a lead elder, there's treasurer, secretary. It's all listed out now, right? But I don't see overseers listed in here. So my assumption is that elder now is what overseer was then. There must be a minimum of four elders, not including the lead pastor. The elder team will annually determine the number of positions, if any, to be filled. So that's a lot of the stuff I read in the previous one that was all yeah. for the overseers. Elders commit to a three-year term, barring unforeseen circumstances. There are no term limits for eldership, which is still a little bit different.
1: Yeah. Uh- less permanent Mm -hmm. uh, the positions. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The lead pastor in partnership with the elder team is responsible to lead care for and equip the church as well as seek and discern God's vision for the church. The lead pastor provides leadership, biblical instruction and prayer toward that vision. The lead pastor shall have the authority and responsibility to provide executive leadership over the operations of the church in addition to meeting the biblical requirements for elder, the lead pastor will demonstrate one or more of the gifts of Ephesians 4, 7-16. through 16. To fill the position of lead pastor, elder shall establish a pastoral search team to identify a qualified pool of candidates. They will recommend their top two to three candidates to the elder team. So now there's a search team. <laughs> the elder team shall select the best available candidate from those. The final candidate will be given a variety of interaction opportunities with members of the congregation at large. The members will then vote at a special business meeting on whether or not to extend a call to the candidate. The lead pastor will serve indefinitely.
1: And at what point do they have to do the three trials from the end of (laughs) The Last Crusade?
0: (laughs) Conflict of interest and nepotism document retention (laughs) financial accountability (laughs) these are all things that as we go along it will probably be more clear to everybody why this is all in here they had a lot of issues that we haven't gotten into necessarily yet and I'm guessing that there were a lot of bases that hadn't been covered
1: you don't think they added the document retention section just by random?
0: I And I like how that section is just like, you guys need to get a policy. <laughs> yeah,
1: re- retain them. <laughs> yeah.
0: Okay, so I reached out to somebody named Matthew Mitchell, I asked him if he would talk to me. He is the keeper of a WordPress site called Tales from the Cult. When I first started this endeavor, I discovered this website, which, as it says, is dedicated to preserving important artifacts.
1: He was a member of the church, I'm assuming?
0: Yes. An employee of the church, actually, at one point. And then he put this site together and worked cooperatively with other people to preserve documents from a time when things kind of, you know, fell apart.
1: Pre-document retention era, you mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah. And
0: there's some interesting things to note about all of this, right? So I wanted to just talk to him about his experience. And this is the story that I think you're going to find funny. Mm-hmm. Okay. So he actually started going to Brook in high school. This would have been in 2006, 2007. Okay. And at that time, though he just went to the youth group, did not go to church, which Doug was the pastor at that time. The little, name Little of,
1: Brooksters, or was that that's a, younger a different group? thing? Okay. This
0: was called Boing, because we all need God. Okay, <laughs> gotcha. Very positive experience he had. Liked it. There was no weird meter going off. He goes from there to a small group which is like age-based high school, young adults, people that get together at like an older, an elder person's house. And you talk about the Bible and stuff like that maybe once a week. I'm familiar with this type of thing. It's like...
1: I did this and I briefly did this in elementary. I had had a friend who was... uh, Not that it's important. I was very self-conscious. I went to these groups and I didn't know like... Let's open our books to John and I was like
0: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yes, yeah, so
1: I'm familiar with the um
0: So, yes, you know, this again though, went to the small group, very positive experience, has nothing bad to say about that. And it was there that it started to be just encouraged and I did not get the impression that it was forced. Or like, hey, you can't just come to this stuff and not go to the church proper. It was just like, well, you should check out.
1: Was that what he was doing? He was going to these groups, but not yeah. the church? Okay. Yeah.
0: Was he in Boang and not part of the church? He went to Boing, but did not go to church on Sunday. Okay. And it was suggested to him, well, you should check out the church. Yeah. Yeah. But that was like, seriously, like two to three years after he started becoming involved. And he first became involved because of a friend who was involved, he starts going, starts volunteering to do tech-type stuff, and in 2011, he is hired as the tech director.
1: Young guy, part of the church. You know, you yes? Know I mean, is there anything zero, more so yeah.
0: classic, right?
1: Our church computer is slow. Do you know how to... It's been doing a thing.
0: <laughs> His roles were a little different than what you're thinking, but yeah, I mean... He had an office across the street from Valley Brook. He got a hundred bucks a week. So he's a college guy now. What he does is build sets, lighting, make cool looking stuff that accentuates the theme or a series. Churches often have a series, right? Like if it's Passover, it'll be something Passover related. However, this was generally in an abstract way. Like it was meant to be interesting visuals. Yeah.
1: So it's cool. a cool job if you're yes. a spiritually inclined college yes. students, it'd be a, be a cool gig.
0: Oh, yeah. And he liked it. Yeah. You know? So, okay. We're going to fast forward though to a series that Doug wants to do called House of the Lord. For this series, Doug wants a house on the stage. So,
1: big ideas this guy.
0: <laughs> he wants to buy like full-scale windows, doors, course, shingles from Menards.
1: <laughs> I wanted to come up out of the floor if possible. Well, can we put people on strings and have them descend?
0: <laughs> oh you- no, you're
1: giving me a look. <laughs>
0: He wants it for a hundred dollars and he wants it to hang <laughs> from the stage rigging, which there isn't any. The
1: man has faith.
0: There's like big holes in the ceiling where chunks of concrete have fallen out. And like there's no way that what he is looking for can be supported. Because if for those of you listening that aren't like local, Valley Brook church is in an old theater which is very visually appealing from the outside it looks very cool it's an old marquee but structurally maybe yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah you can't do that okay probably so, not for a hundred
1: dollars at least and definitely not for a hundred dollars <laughs> yeah.
0: and i mean just the supplies alone yeah you know <laughs> well they go back and forth on this you know matthew is saying why this can't work. And Doug is like, I want this to work. And then Doug tells him that why he wants real building materials is he figured we could do a cool thing and donate the stuff to Habitat for Humanity once they were done with them, because somebody who worked there was on the board for Habitat. And, you know, I don't know if then what do if it just like looks good, or if there's like a benefit benefit to it, or if it's because this lady's on the board, and oh look, my church donated like two windows, yeah, a hundred <laughs> dollars worth of materials, well, they compromise on this. They make a set out of lightweight wood that could be hung, then they make these two windows that don't have any panes in them, some shutters. And then they do use just like an old door and they set it up on stage. Like, so it's not all floating. Okay. So that wasn't the only part of this design though. And I'm reading some of this. I'm taking directly from what he's written about this. That wasn't the only part of this design though. I, Matthew, made something up on my own. Since we made the pieces, set pieces out of scrap we had laying around. I designed a light fixture and I made six of them and that ran about $150, I got the overage okay by promising to reuse material for the fall series instead of buying more stuff. All that was left to light was this little window that we had hung on the back wall to give the set some depth. It didn't need it, but I was sick of arguing about this set. But the issue was that I had absolutely no working lights left to use on that window. I needed every single one of my spots and all my LEDs were being used on the fixtures I had made backstage across the street nowhere was there another light to be found that i could put on a dimmer the temporary solution was to widen a spotlight to try and tack as much light on the window as possible so this is what they're doing like in the week leading up to the series starting on sunday i can't wait
1: to find out what the series is that
0: well i mean this is
1: actually interesting like tech guy stuff I don't know how this is going to affect his sermon, but like from a set building perspective, this is actually pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it's like so, there is so much riding on this, right? Um, Well, at this point, it wasn't even Doug anymore that was giving the orders, okay? It was like the second in command who at the time was the spiritual health pastor and just starting to really be like this lighting doesn't look good, blah, 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 and it's just going on and on. And in Matthew's personal life during this week, okay, it's they're approaching finals week. It was his first semester as a computer science major. He wanted to make sure he had time to prepare himself for his exams. I cut back to about 30 hours during that week and stayed the whole day on Sunday to make sure that the work got done. Additionally, he had a friend from marching band who had a birthday at Buffalo Wild Wings. Matthew gets super spicy wings, and he has like gallbladder issues later on, he discovers. It makes him sick, okay? So on Sunday, he has to leave after worship for the second service. So that was like at about 1130 a.m., and like the pastors are not amused by this, all right? So... Now there's been a fence taken because Matthew's gotten sick and has had to leave. The week after that, when I and now I'm gonna read it directly from this thing again. The week after that, when I arrived at Valley Brook in the morning around 8 a.m., the band was getting set up, the lights were on, but there was a blindingly bright light on the window. What the heck? I went up and checked, and it was one of those high-powered caged lights you'd see someone use if they're doing work down a manhole. What was that doing on the stage? Well, I had some other things to get done. I did them and then I worked on the light. First off, could I make this work? Could I get it dim enough to light the window without looking awful? Could I control it from the board? Could I use it without a dimmer? The answer to all these questions was no. Oh, no. So they're
1: offended at his at his aunt. Like, you know, we can do this. We don't even need him. Yes. Someone yeah. get the spotlight that we use for deer shining. <laughs> Just run an extension cord. And let 4, me be... 4,000 lumens blasting at this window.
0: <laughs> and let me be clear... I wasn't the one who put that light on the stage. I was the one trying to figure out if we could use it. So he gets pulled aside by the spiritual health pastor at that time before the first service starts and he's told, I'm wondering why we're troubleshooting on a Sunday morning. This should have been done during the week. I told him I wasn't the one who plugged in the light and I was trying to figure out if I could make it work. You were told to do it during the week. Why wasn't it done? That's what we're paying you for. I mean, it is $100 a week here. (laughs) I told him I just didn't have anything that week. I actually said I didn't have anything. He gave me this guilt trip about not working hard enough and that this was very disappointing and combine it with me leaving early the previous work because I was sick.
1: B-dub's wings aren't even that spicy.
0: I was living up to, quote, Who God created me to be. Ooh, (laughs) a savage cutting remark (laughs) in the right context. So Monday, Matthew gets called and he's told there's going to be a meeting on Tuesday.
1: This light must have been so important.
0: I went to his office, and it was him and somebody else who I believe was at that time also the executive pastor. Okay. During this meeting, I was told that I was no longer, quote, on fire for God, and that, quote, my heart was no longer in my work. The spiritual health pastor said, and I will always remember this exactly, this is the place where I found life. This is the place where I found freedom. Every single day, I'm excited to come into work. It fills me up. Clearly, you no longer find life here. If spicy wings and not having a spare light... (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, boy. If spicy wings and not having a spare light bulb prevent you from doing your job, then we don't want you here. So, he was fired on the spot and had to clear out his office that night. I was no longer one of the most chosen among... Amongst God's chosen people, right in the heart of downtown Eau Claire, I was out of a job I had voluntarily done for years without asking for a nickel and did for a hundred dollars a week because I legitimately loved doing it and would have done it for free anyway.
1: I guess maybe he, if he was fired, I guess he doesn't.
0: We don't have anything else
1: on what. Like, I, I was waiting to find out what the purpose of all this was for. How important was it to the series of the week that that the stakes
0: were so high? It was important. Because Doug was very particular and had visions for things, right, and like that is something that I've never been a part party to at any church I've gone to, where there's like that much vision put into seemingly small things. I think there was some performance aspect to it. I'm not sure if, as a parishioner, you were blown away by it or if it was his thing that he thought was important that I'm not sure anybody else really cared about. Sometimes, sure. you know, I'm sure there were some things that turned out very cool. I mean, I think Matthew was fairly good at
1: it. Well, yeah, and I'm assuming if the alternative to Matthew's work is like a construction spotlight, you probably, <laughs> probably should keep him around. If you're only paying 100 bucks for his services, too, like it's...
0: Uh, Yeah. seems
1: like an overreaction.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Well, it doesn't stop there, okay? Okay. Because this wasn't the only thing Matthew had been involved with. So he was the tech director, but he also, like, was involved in the youth group, okay? And, like, the high school part of it, and he really loved doing it. And, well, okay, when this all happened, he was told... If I stuck around and grew out of this funk that I was in, if Valleybrook needed a technical director and I was a good fit at the time, then he could have his job back. So you're saying there's a chance, you know what I mean? But he's also involved in, in the youth group, which he really likes. And he wants to continue with that if possible, even though this happened to him because this is how important it was to him. Okay. So when he got fired he asks, can I at least finish out the year with this youth group? Okay. I'm paid because he really liked doing it. So they said, yes, you can. So I went on, I went on my way from the high school version of the youth group after the school year was over, but he had finished it out. And then he says, I wanted to try middle school. I think a lot of it was that I was still a part of Valley Brook." Both of my theology and the company I kept. And he has the desire to still feel like he wants to be part of it. And he really likes working with kids. And he's never worked with middle schoolers. And he's like, maybe if I, you know, can do this, then this can get me on a path to, you know. So he gets to do this. Yeah. And here's a rundown of what happens it's agreed. The youth pastor at the time says, yes, you can volunteer with the middle school. He has a blast getting to know the kids. They all seem to really like him. He gets involved with a few projects with the middle school program, including a tech renovation. So he meets with Doug about some depression issues he was having post being fired, during which Doug said he was happy that Matthew was involved with the middle school. The next week, the youth pastor, who had moved into Matthew's old office, offered me a free ticket out, saying he wouldn't hold it against me if I didn't continue helping out. When I said I still wanted to, he made it clear that I wasn't going to be needed. More clearly, though probably not intended by him, it was clear that someone didn't want me to help out. And then Matthew writes, It's clear to me now that the someone who didn't want me there was Doug. And then he finishes, Here's the moral of the story. Everyone was a pawn to Doug. He was cowardly to do his own bidding, so he had others do it for him. Doug told me point blank that it was like other people's decisions to do things like fire him.
1: Look, I would love to keep you.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I now know that it that's false that Doug just made people do it, you know? And when I was talking to Matthew about this, right, I said all of this over a light. And he said that, no, he doesn't think it was all over a light that he had started to maybe ask questions You know, just question things that maybe Doug said he didn't have anything in particular he gave me. But, you know, when you start to get a little curious and if you're somebody who doesn't want people to question your authority or your opinions and stuff like that, um, that individual is probably already on your radar and they're on your staff as somebody who like, oh, this might not be a friend And then this whole thing happens, and I think it kind of became a ridiculous, like, straw. Yeah. You know, that broke the camel's back. So I had assumed that the site I found was, I don't know, by the time this happens in 2015, Matthew is not part of the church anymore.
1: Yeah. When did this happen? His.
0: Like 2011, 2012 and so he's not part of the church anymore i didn't know that but i had assumed that site came about like because stuff happened but actually he started that site before things came apart and he had started a different site because he was bored and he just kind of started a personal blog but then he wrote what i was reading from which was called like why i was fired so okay (laughs) (laughs) All right. <laughs> and it's like, I mean, I just skipped around in it and, and came in and out of first person form, you know. But then he realized that, like, people were interested in the Valley Brook stuff. So then he started a separate site, which is the site I found. And it was shortly after that happened that things fell apart and he got alerted to the fact that. That this was all, all of these problems were happening at Valleybrook. And then he worked in cooperation with people who wanted to preserve documents that they felt would be important to holding on to, you know, which are a lot of the documents that I'm not using to do the podcast. And uh, here we are.
1: It does feel familiar to other stories we've done on uh, uh, people with narcissist uh, tendencies that his experience came before like the investigation and he probably thought like it was very specific to him that like he had this weird experience where like he was targeted. Yeah. Yeah. Not knowing that it was maybe a a wider spread uh, pattern. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And the, the site um, as we will go along, you will understand how important his site is because There are things that he documents that have a ripple effect of people finding it and affecting what they decide to do. Like in a a generic way, I'd like to tell everybody to stay tuned. You will just see that this guy having this site was one of the reasons why an endeavor Doug does after this Valley Brook experience like collapses because people find this site. Yeah. So I will just thank him now for the work he put into that website because a lot of the actual factual documents that I've been able to use come for that site. Yeah. Yeah. So next time we're gonna get into knitting. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. It's not it's not the kind your grandma does. <laughs>
1: Okay, I'm looking forward to it.
0: Yeah, thanks for listening, everybody.
1: Stay tuned. Chosen is presented by Cool and Unusual Punishment. Research and interviewing by Jody Haas, with editing and mixing by me. Our theme music for this series is by Zavely, with additional music by Rick Dickard, AG Music, John Wright, and Christian Ayan. This podcast is a proud member of the Nerd and Tie Network, a coalition of Wisconsin-produced shows that you can find at nerdandtie.com. Our website, where you can find links to the material and documents we reference, is coolandunusualpunishment.com.
0: If spicy wings and not having a spare light bulb prevents you from doing your job, then we don't want you here.